Hey everyone, welcome to Active and Connected Families. I am back again today to talk about a huge topic, how to raise our families in the midst of a very well-known and well-documented mental health crisis for kids, teens, and, and really everyone living in America right now. In this episode, it is just me again, and I'm going to tackle this big idea from a place of theory and then try to bring it down to step-by-step actions that parents can take to promote mental health for the whole family. And it's going to be hard, y'all. It's not going to be easy. As a group therapist in my heart and a group therapist by training, thank you, Adiko, I talk a lot about social norms in this podcast. And social norms are those unspoken rules and behaviors that we abide by that guide our behavior. So if everyone wears blue on Monday, that is a social norm. And even if you're used to wearing red on Mondays, you'll eventually start wearing blue. So if you like this podcast, go ahead and subscribe and please hop into our DMs and let me know what you think of this topic. I haven't talked to anybody about it yet because I did a solo pod. So I'd love to chat with you all. Thanks so much. And thanks for listening. and Connected Families is a smart, relatable conversation with me, Dr. Amanda Sovic-Johnston, child psychologist, mother of three, and entrepreneur. I've spent my career providing family therapy and supporting high-achieving mothers, and maybe even more hours with my girlfriends trying to figure out how we can all feel more confident in our work and our relationships. And you all, there's one thing I've noticed. We're all struggling in some of the same places and we're all looking for some down-to-earth advice that we can actually use. So on Active and Connected Families, I'll share some of the insights I've learned, strategies for those daily fights about laundry, some expert perspective on the bigger issues like the mental health crisis, and me chatting with my therapist friends about how we can all feel a little more active and connected in our lives. Throughout, I hope to make you laugh at least once but I know I'll leave you with something that'll help you become a better parent and maybe even person. Thanks so much for listening. You all, after recording last week's episode on working towards who I want to be in 2023, I realized that there is a layer of living in this world that I did not address directly. That is, it's exceptionally difficult to be emotionally healthy in America at this time. Again, it is exceptionally difficult to be living in America at this time and be emotionally healthy, and that makes decision-making, prioritizing, and deciding our values as a parent very difficult and excruciating at times. And when we think about our values, like I talked about last week, and prioritizing what's important to us, it can feel like we're choosing between our mental health, the mental health of our children, the mental health of our partners, and other loved ones, And honestly, there's so many people in this world that are struggling that making decisions about how to spend our time and how to spend our attention is harder than it ever has been. A simple example of this is the depression that I experienced during the pandemic. I, like so many other parents and especially moms out there, felt pulled between taking care of myself, which to me meant working out, taking care of my family financially so that we could support our family and I could have something that I felt like I was working on, while at the same time getting my kids off screens, engaging them in social relationships, planning so that they could have some social relationships. Every single second, I felt pulled between my mental health and their mental health. And that 
pandemic lifestyle is more or less over and there is a little more time now, but each member of our family is still recovering from that period and everyone needs some extra loving care. And that's especially true for teenagers whose mental health took a well-documented dip through the pandemic and has not rebounded. We truly are in the midst of a mental health crisis for teens and for everyone. So the question becomes, what do we do about it? What do we do now that we know there's a mental health crisis? And what does that mean for how we raise our families? The first step is to simply acknowledge that the social norms and culture in this country are promoting unhealth. And that's a really scary thing to think about. So let me say it again. The social norms in this country and our culture are promoting mental unhealth. And that's a tough place for us to be because, as we talked about last week, we are social animals, and as such, our natural evolutionary drive is to look around and to do what other folks are doing. That is what has helped us survive for millions of years, and it is truly ingrained in our DNA. And while this DNA was adaptive in the past, if we take our social cues from society today, we're going to be leading ourselves into a mental and emotional difficulty. The information and the subtle messages that we're getting from our culture and news and Facebook and music and friends, it's leading us to struggle more. So we have to be really, really careful about the messages that we take and the messages that we listen to. And there are a million examples to illustrate this, such as the use of social media in general. Almost everyone we know has Instagram, but we know that using it a lot results in feelings of anxiety and depression, specifically for teenage girls, but even for moms. I cannot tell you how useful it was for me to see so many people on January 1st saying, my dry January is around social media. I realize it's not healthy for me, so I'm going to take a break. Glennon Doyle, who is the author of the book Untamed, also writes about this idea that social norms are making it harder for us when she talks about being a cheetah in a cage. Society is the cage that she is being placed in, and in order for her to feel free and happy, she has to be a cheetah out in the wild, free from the cage. So that is what her whole book, Untamed, is about. And another example of this is from eating disorder literature, and that's the phrase that the culture is toxic meaning that if you just look around at the pictures and the expectations of beauty and how people in your world talk about food and talk about their bodies, the culture is promoting disordered eating. So we take the power back from our culture when we start recognizing the ways in which it's feeding disordered eating, and then we place a boundary around them. We can kind of say, oh, the culture is toxic over there. I'm not going to let that into the way I'm thinking and feeling. If you are enjoying this episode and want more mental health support for you or your family, visit us at www.virginiafamilytherapy.com. We're a mental health practice with offices in Lynchburg, Charlottesville, and Northern Virginia, and we provide teletherapy across Virginia and North Carolina. We offer psychiatry, individual, child, and family therapy, and even have some after-school appointments available. Again, that's www.virginia, spelled out, familytherapy.com. Thanks so much for listening. So now that we know that the norms are promoting mental unhealth, what do we do with that information? In the podcast, We Can Do Hard Things, again with Glennon Doyle, which she just came out about, it's the one about her new diagnosis of having anorexia. 
She talks about bucking the system and being free from her cage. And when we specifically as women, but I also think for men as well, when we buck the system, we are dismantling white supremacy and the patriarchy. It's a great podcast. You all should listen to it. But it got me all riled up because I am a million percent in agreement that we have to push back on some things and a million percent in agreement with what Glennon and Abby and Amanda were saying. We need to go against the norms, but it's so hard to figure out how we go against the norms. What do we actually do? My great friend Elizabeth Howe made me laugh so hard because she was like, if I eat that cupcake, will I be dismantling white supremacy? And honestly, the answer is if we all eat enough cupcakes around the same time and we make eating cupcakes the norm, yes, eventually that will dismantle some part of white supremacy. But that type of change takes a lot of work and a lot of conversations. And it takes a long time to get enough people doing it to change the norm. So now that we know we're going to have to push back and eat some cupcakes, The next question really becomes, what other norms are we going to push back on? Where are we going to resist the way culture and society are pushing us in order to protect our mental health and the mental health of our kids? And to be honest with you all, each norm that we begin to push back on is going to lead to increased anxiety in us. Our anxiety is going to go up because that's the way this works. We're wired to feel more comfortable when we're going with the flow and doing what the people around us are doing. That's how we survive for so long. And we become anxious when we're doing things that are different from the folks around us. So going into this plan, we're going to have to know already that we're going to have increased anxiety. On the other hand, you may also feel anxiety when you're going with the norm. And that's because that anxiety is there when you feel like you're living out of sync with your values. That anxiety exists because who you want to be and what's important to you is not the way the norm is. Therefore, you're anxious with the dissonance or the mismatch. Either way, y'all, you're going to have to deal with some anxiety in this process. And it's going to be really important for you to check in with yourself around what type of anxiety it is, because that's going to have to be your barometer around what to do and what norms to push back on. And so when I start thinking about what norms I'm going to push back on, I think it's really important to think about the stakes that are associated with each norm. So some norms are going to feel really, really low stakes. And here is an example. Most women psychologists wear professional clothes to work, right? But when I started my practice, or actually about a year in, I realized that the only way that I was going to be able to exercise and work a full-time job was if I used the 10-minute break in between clients to run. I also realized that I was doing better work if I was walking with my clients. And so it was way more practical for me to just wear workout clothes to work. So I broke the norm of looking professional when I went to work and I started showing up in leggings and sports bra and sneakers. And the first, honestly, the first year that I did it, I felt a little bit embarrassed and I certainly felt anxious about it. And I was worried that people wouldn't take me seriously. It worked out fine, and I can talk to you more about that later, but I definitely felt some anxiety with even a low-stakes norm break. A higher-stakes example might be when you work. 
I think a lot of our culture right now is telling us to work a lot of the time and to hustle and to be our best. But if that means that we're working so much at night that we aren't present with our family, there are definitely moments that we will miss. There's rest we will miss. We will miss the opportunity to recharge. And it can likely lead to mental health difficulties for us and possibly for our kids or our partnerships. Another example or other examples could be are all the other kids in lots of activities, but maybe you don't want your kid in something after school every day. Maybe you don't want a smartphone. Maybe you don't want your kid to take a million AP classes or go to the very, very best college that they can get into, and you want them to go to a college where they're going to be happy. In all of these instances, it's going to be important to think about the pros and the cons on either side for you and for your family. And here's where I think the stakes actually feel the absolute highest when it comes to parenting right now, and that is in raising teenagers. Side note, I want to add that I think the stakes are really high when it comes to fighting systemic racism as well. But when it comes to parenting, I think pushing back on norms around raising teenagers is the most important and feels downright impossible. And here's why. The stakes feel so high because there's so little room for pushback. And here's what I mean by that. Most people listening to this podcast want their kids to go to college, maybe even a great college, or at least do well enough in high school to get some financial support to be able to go to college. And in our current situation, the only way to achieve this goal is for kids to wake up, go to school, do after-school activities, and then come home and do homework, rinse and repeat. That is what they have to do. And those of you that are raising teenagers see this, and it just looks so dang hard. There's very little room for flexibility. There's barely room for even doing chores because there's so much homework and you can't take a night off. You can't work out in the morning if that's a better time for you. It is very, very lockstep, especially if you want to get good grades on your report card. And this is why I think there's a mental health crisis among teenagers specifically the stakes are too high to push back in any way, and it's developmentally appropriate for teenagers to literally feel the pulse of society. It is their job in their DNA to feel the pulse of culture as they're separating from their family. They are entering the culture, leaving their family. It's developmentally appropriate for them to look around and do what other people their age are doing. They're biologically determined to at least try to fit in, or they feel badly about themselves if they don't. So what happens is that families, mental health providers, and the kids themselves get stuck. They don't want to keep living the way that they are, but they feel like they have to in order to fit in as they're biologically determined to do, or if they want to get into college. And this is why we've seen such a rise in medication among teenagers. The norms are so screwed for this population and they can't push back at all. There's no room for flexibility. And it feels like the only way to meet their goals in the very small, limited time that they have during those quarters and four years of high school, that they need medication to get them through. At least they think they do. And in some ways, society thinks they do. So now that you've looked at the norms and figured out which ones you want to push back on, I suggest thinking about the results that you hope you get after you've pushed back for a little bit of time and then assess the results frequently. 
So when I started wearing workout clothes to work, I hoped that I was going to get more exercise without losing business. And guess what? It totally happened. So I'm never going back to wearing real clothes to work. And in all honesty, it seems like a lot of the world has gone with me. Maybe it's the first time I've been a trendsetter, but I actually think it was going that way anyway. Another example would be if you decide you don't want your kid to take as many AP classes as their cohort or their peers, knowing that they may be less competitive for college, but you think it's going to protect their mental health. That's a great strategy. You know what you're looking for, maybe a happier kid, but you notice that after a month, they're more bored and they're getting into trouble and spending more time on screens. So you reassess, you're not getting the results that you want and you can switch and make changes. Or even on a bigger level, you decide if you want your teen to make it through the next few years of high school without taking medication, despite struggling with anxiety. You want to do a lot of the behavioral interventions first. So maybe a strategy is getting up half an hour earlier to take a walk every day, and they do feel less anxious. You have to assess what are the consequences of that extra half hour, likely just reduced anxiety, but there could be other ones that you want to think about. So over the next few months, I want you all to think about the norms that you're running into. Which ones do you feel like you want to follow? Which ones do you feel like don't serve you anymore? And think about the anxiety management, whether you're going to stick with those norms or whether you're going to push back on those norms. And once you figure out which norms you're going to push back on, Do whatever you can to manage your anxiety around breaking the mold. Because the whole point is that you're going to feel anxiety either way. Anxiety for going against the norms or anxiety for leading a life that doesn't really suit you or feels out of line with your values. And to be honest, right now, I'm actually leaning into my social nature. I know that I can't go against the norms for long without a group of people with me. I am a social being. So I'm actually trying to change the norms by talking, reflecting, blogging, podcasting for you all. And I'm learning a ton from friends and coworkers. Because if we all break these norms together, we're going to create new norms. New norms where our kids can thrive, we can thrive, and our communities can thrive but we can't do it alone. We have to do it in conversation with each other. And that is something that I'm honestly so excited about because it gives me so much hope for our future. So go ahead, you all eat that cupcake. And if you feel anxious or worried about it, remember that there are tons of other folks who are eating that cupcake too. We're pushing back on some other norm and trying to make some important changes in this world. Thank you all so much for listening. I hope you have a great day. Thanks so much for listening. Don't forget to like and share the Active and Connected Families podcast if you found this helpful. And if you or someone you love are interested in therapy, you can find out more about our practice at www.virginiafamilytherapy.com. Again, that's www.virginia, all spelled out, therapy.com. Thanks again. 